Yo, and welcome to the EPM show. I'm your host, Blake Bozarth, and I'm fired up today. This show is all things enterprise performance management. Our heart behind this is to give you an unfair career advantage. And today we have an incredible guest, Chris Ortega. What's happening, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, Blake. Thanks. Thanks for having me, man. Looking forward to this conversation. It's a it's a nice, sunshiny day here in Indiana, man. So I'm super pumped right now. Hey, you're beating us, then. I'm, I'm in Orlando, and we don't have the sun today. It's It's been freezing. It's been under 60 degrees. I'm like, I did not sign up for this. This is Florida. What? Come on. Come on. Somebody, somebody tricked me. Yeah, so when it's sixty, when it's sixty below in Florida, everybody's wearing their like sweatshirt, their oh, yeah. face jacket, it's oh, yeah. like complete Eskimo gear at this point. Oh yeah, no, I get driving gloves, the whole the whole thing. So hey, we got to hit you with our patented question, man, and that is, we like to ask each of our guests, we got to hear about you and your career in sixty seconds. So I'm gonna give you sixty seconds, man, and you tell us about you. Go. Yeah, so I won't talk about any of the finance and accounting stuff. I will tell everybody a quick secret about myself. Not a lot of people know this, but I used to be an amateur boxer. So I used to fight competitively. I have 46 amateur fights. Yes, my record is 42 and four. I have eight knockouts in my career. That's a pretty unique thing. And what thing that boxing has always taught me is like if I'm able to have comfort and clarity around chaos and conflict and combat, there's nothing in accounting, finance, FP&A, or CFO leadership that I'll ever face. So that's a fun <laughs> fact about me. 42 and 4. How are you amateur, man? I feel like I feel like, I feel feel like like that's a professional right there. That, that's outrageous. <laughs> Unbelievable. It was a fun time, man. I, I learned a lot in boxing. That's that's so cool. Great fun share. So, hey, we're, we're excited today. We're going to talk to two different audiences. We're talking to finance executives. I know you do a lot of work with finance executives. And we're talking to the FP&A um, professionals we have some very, I think, salient points for how we can go about advancing our career in the space. So with that, I'm going to tee you up. Tell us a little bit about when a, when an executive is looking to do finance transformation and they're looking to really level up the organization. What's one of the biggest mistakes that you think they make on the front end? Yeah. And to all the CFOs, to all my community of CFOs, I've been in this place before. So I'm giving you this advice because I've made the mistakes. When you look at financial transformation, typically where a lot of CFOs go, they start with the platform pillar, right? They go look at that shiny new Lamborghini at the showroom floor. They're looking at all the bells and whistles, but they don't know how to actually operate a Lamborghini and they're driving it in a school zone. So to me, that is the one place I think people think Technology is going to solve all of the different problems. To me, the best place to start on your financial transformational journey is those foundation pillars, which are people, process, and partnership. Platforms are the scaling pillars, which are the platforms, performance, and profit optimization. So to me, start off with your foundation, start with that people, start with those processes, start with developing that value partnership, then scale with those other three pillars. So to me, that is the number one mistake I think a lot of CFOs are making is thinking that the platform are going to solve all your problems. That's so good. And we had we had somebody from Anaplan, a good friend of ours, Ray Corbello, and he talked a similar thing. He's like, hey, when, when a company leads with technology, you know you're doing something wrong, actually. Like technology matters and it can help incrementally, but that's not what truly drives the transformation. And so talk to us more specifically today. I want to, I want to hit on that people pillar What's, what's, what are some of the levers that finance executive can pull to really focus on and transform around the people pillar? 
I think when you think about the people right now, just look at the macro environment that we're in, right? Like the people aspect has come in ways, right? We had we had the great resignation, which was, you know, a, a period where a lot of people, there was a lot of transition, people moving into worlds. I think we're kind of moved into what this is called the great recovery now, where a lot of organizations are starting to understand is like, we need to make sure like we're retaining. How are we keeping about retaining? How are we being more proactive about it? So to the to the CFOs that are thinking about the people aspect, the first off is the, the office of the CFO, we have to get in tune that it's not just our direct teams, but we have a direct value proposition in helping driving the culture inside of our organizations, right? It just doesn't rest that we'll sit with finance and accounting and our legal and compliance. We've got to venture out to build that collaboration and that communication inside the business. The second place that I think CFOs need to be thinking about around people is that you have to understand like the proactive retainment conversation. Like, what is it? A great question I'll leave everybody with is like asking your team is like, what keeps you here every day? What motivation, what motivation and drives and passions does our finance team have? And what can we be doing better to support the overall organization? It's really asking those deep questions because I think now you've heard probably heard the term before of quiet quitting which basically means a lot of people are just doing the bare minimum, they're floating underneath the radar. That's gonna have a huge impact on the productivity, the value, the passion, and ultimately the, the, the value proposition that you're bringing. So get in tune, have those proactive conversations and come to the opera, which is my third point, come to that conversation like genuinely listening, right? Listen to your direct teams, listen to your indirect teams, listen from the business, how are you taking this feedback, this insights to incorporate that in the people strategies for the next six, eight, and 12 months? That will be my top three recommendations for CFOs around the people element. Boom. That's good stuff. You probably know this, Chris. We spend 90,000 hours of our lives at work. That's crazy. Most of our waking existence is at, at work. And yeah. That's that it, we, we better love what we do, right? But a lot of people don't. And so one of the things that we can do as leaders is to help somebody match, hey, what is it that gets you fired up in your in your life, right? How does that translate to where you spend 90,000 hours of it, right? And we should be able to do that. We should be able to connect those dots personally. But as leaders, the more intentional we are to to help somebody sync those things up and see how, hey, this is, this is how it can bring that to bear in the workplace. So... I absolutely love that. Talk to me. Talk to me a little bit more about if you were if you were approaching an FPNA professional maybe early in their career, Chris, and you've you've seen incredible career success. But if you were coaching somebody on how they could approach their career, what would you advise them to do? Oh, Blake, I love this question, man, because I get asked this a lot, and all of the global like conversations and conferences and people that I get to meet all across the world. I would love, like, if they said, Chris, if you could go back, you know, early in your career, what would be like the, the things that the first one is be curious, practice the ABCs of FPNA. The ABCs of FPNA is always be curious. When I look back over my career, right, that's a game changing characteristics. Asking the why question, well, why is revenue up? Why are expenses down? How could I learn more about that? Always be curious is like the number one thing. The second like superpower that I think FPNA people can have and start harnessing, be great storytellers, right? 
like be able to like have that story. The thing that I love about finance and both growing up in finance and leading finance organizations from startup scale up to enterprise level companies was like, we get to see the entire story, right? We get to see that sales, you know, went on this $50,000 client engagement, but that closed down to revenue that went down to a million dollars that we collected in cash that we grew in dollar retention rate to, you know, $1.2 million in two years. We get to be able to see all this story around it, which leads me to my next most critical piece of FP&A professionals, speak the business language, right? The moment that you get into spitting out your budget versus the actual variances and start talking about your ASC 606 analysis and start talking about all this, you're going to lose the business. One of the most critical skills that you can have is how do you communicate? How do you collaborate? How do you drive this complexity into clarity that the business can understand? When I look over those three skill sets, those are the superpowers. And actually, that's the game. That's the baseline of what the business is demanding out of FP&A and CFOs of the future. That would be my tips and tricks to supercharge your career. Dang, I love that. So I love, I love the ABCs. ABCs, be a great story, storyteller, right? And then actually speak the business language, not just the technical lingo that sometimes gets thrown around a lot in, in finance. So I want to dig in a little bit more on the storytelling piece, Chris. I think you're exceptional at this for somebody who's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense, Chris. Like that makes a lot of sense. And, and and I can see like the impact that could have, how would they, how would they work on growing that skill of storytelling? What would you, what would you recommend? So the number one thing I get this asked a lot as well, too. They're like, Chris, man, I want to be a great storyteller. Where can I, what conferences can I go to? What articles can I read? The best, and this is just professional development overall, 80% of your professional development and what you're going to grab is going to be on the job. So to me, find those situations, like look in sales, look in marketing. There's a lot of stories to be told in sales and marketing. And honestly, like in any organization, like I grew up in primarily like high growth SaaS businesses, those were always my key business partners that I loved working with. And what I would come to the table with is understanding like what is their drivers, what is their motivations of that that CMO, that chief revenue officer, that sales, that chief sales officer to basically take a financial story to put that in terms that either they understand the impacts that they have. It helps solve the problem for you. One of the key things in storytelling, if you're able to take pain and drive that to productivity for a business partner in a consistent way of communicating that, that is game changing, right? And leads me to another great pillar that finance professionals and CFOs need to be thinking about. When you think about building relationships, any personal, professional, you mentioned that we spend a lot of our relationships at work. Focus on, there's two core competencies of relationships. There's trust and there's competencies. Go focus on building that trust. If you right now want to take an actionable item that you could go implement right now to any business partner, go to that business partner and ask them one question. What challenges, opportunities, or risks that you see inside your business and how can I help and support you as your finance partner? Ask them that question and you'll see their mind just be like, oh my goodness, I never got asked this before. That to me is, I think, the quick start guide to get to be a better storyteller. Find those MVPs, use that framework, come curious to the conversation, 
and be, work with the business to turn pain into productivity. Okay. Awesome. There, there's some practical stuff in there, right? Like that's what I was looking for is like, what are some practical things you can do? Can you give me an example of like, what it, can you, you have a story or some kind of example of what it looked like to take a pain and turn it into productivity? Yeah. So when I was leading a marketing platform company across the globe and I, I started off, we built the organization all the way up, all the way to exit with SAP. I remember walking into our CEO's office and he had all these Excels up on his screen, right? Like He's looking at this Excel for marketing. He's looking at this Excel for sales. He's looking at this. Like, it was chaos. And I, I remember asking him, I said, man, it's like, it's really hard for you to drive this, this car that is our business. Like, you're able to, like, he's like, yeah, if I want to go know what sales are doing, what marketing, what finance, client success, if I want to go see all these things, I got to go to all these different Excel models. So I remember thinking about this and I said, man, this is a great opportunity to use a technology called Power BI to actually drive this entire observation, right? To give not only our CEO of our entire global organization, but to give the leaders, to give the organization the clarity that they need. So one thing I did is I, I worked with the executives. I, ended, I scheduled these individual meetings out. And basically what we were to arrive to is we distilled our entire SaaS business to seven key metrics. Lead drives to opportunities. Opportunities goes to close one. Close one, go to projects completed. Projects completed go to revenue, and revenue translates into cash, right? And then the last one was the NPS scores that we had. So we got seven KPIs that monitor sales, marketing, product, client success, finance, and then ultimately referral business to start that entire cycle all over. And I set all the executives down in a room and tying back to that first conversation I had, I presented this dashboard that gave almost like metrics and like, it looked like fuel gauges. It said, here's where leads are, here's where sales were. And I got with the team and I sat down with this executive and I said, hey, it's better to drive the car that's our organization now. And just that tying it out, getting them down with the processes of the platforms, helping them tell a story, and then the critical thing is like now I've given this empowerment on their mobile phones. So yes, I sat down with all the executives. We logged in with our Power BI credentials. And I said, now you have the ability to see exactly where we're at, budget, forecast, the actuals on all these seven KPIs. And oh, by the way, we're going to have this on a TV in our central office so everybody can know. That level of visibility to turn a pain that our CEO was having into productivity for the entire organization by leveraging best-in-class platforms, by developing a great partnership inside the organization, connecting to the people, that was by far one of the best opportunities I've had around storytelling. Of course you have a primo example. Love that, man. That's, that, that, that is so such a good way to bring it to life. So... Let me ask you this. You're, you're an FP&A expert with your company, Fresh SP&A. Talk to me about where do you see the future planning, EPM and FP&A in general? Where, where, what, what trends are you seeing and what does success look like in the future for people and for organizations? Yeah, so for me, when I started Fresh FP&A earlier this year, I've, I was, you know, I've had this experience. I've grown up in accounting, public accounting, corporate accounting, FP&A, and financial leadership. I have over 17 years experience in high growth industries and being able to do that. I was like, man, there needs to be a fresh view on finance. So that's why I started Fresh FP&A. And financial FP&A to me is not the traditional financial planning and analysis. The next evolution of FP&A is financial partnership and advising. 
That is the most critical piece of it. And I think a lot of solutions, when you look at the FPNA space, it's very saturated. There's a lot of people in the space, which is, I think, a great thing. But tools that are able to do three things, A, produce entire collaboration, right? Not just the collaboration between FPNA and accounting, but actually bringing in the business, right, to have that collaboration. The second thing is, is like, I think I may be wild in saying this, but dashboards for the sake of dashboards are dead, right? We need to have insights that are driving action, right? What is the call to action from my dashboard that I'm going to see that's going to make me do something? Not just tell me, you know, not just the scorekeeping value proposition, but what is it going to tell me to do? I think that's the second piece. The third opportunity for, as I look at the solutions around people and overall platform adoption, is like, how is it driving that communication across, that agile communication, that quick communication, which a lot of people are used to, right? With the prevalence of Slack, with the prevalence of Teams, people, this data on demand, we want data like right now. We don't have time to wait for that email or wait for this to refresh, right? So I think those are the big stakes. If I, if I was to go to Vegas and I had $500 a place down, solutions that are being more collaborative, solutions that are driving that clarity inside the platform. And then, you know, to me, I think those are like the real key ways of where people are going to win in terms of a software and people adoption as we think about the future, right? And being that great partner and advisor to the business, not that great planning and analysis person, technology can do that a lot faster. That, that'll be my crystal ball recommendation. Financial partnering and advising. That's the new FPNA. So, That's so good. New. So, hey, people that want to follow you, where's the best place? To, where's the best place to find Chris? Yeah. So check me out. I'm all over LinkedIn. And then all of my socials are fresh, F-R-E-S-H, F-P-A on all socials, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I haven't got on TikTok yet, but that's next up. Um, and also check out my website, www.freshfpa.com if you want to connect, learn more, and how we can help and uh, help you transform and scale your finance organization. So that's where you can follow me. Dude, this has been a blast. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. Thanks for all the nuggets that you brought us. And can't wait to see what you continue to do and stay connected, man. Awesome. Thank you so much, Blake. And everybody, be great. I hope your families are safe and well. We're in the Q4, man. We're in the final stretch, man. Finish strong. I love it. Thanks, thanks man. Peace. Thank you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Wherever you're consuming this, if it's YouTube, if it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we appreciate you. Make sure you're subscribed. We have a lot more amazing guests on the way, a lot more great content. We're doing our best to bring you value and have fun while we do it. And we really want this to be a career advantage listening to this show and we want you to enjoy it. So it means a lot. Make sure you're subscribed for what's, what's to come. And also, if you're up for it, it would mean a lot if you leave us a like, a comment, a rating, a review, whatever platform you're on. That really helps and it gets us fired up when we see those. So I appreciate you guys. Find us on LinkedIn. I'm Blake Bozarth, my co-host Chad Pike with a Y. Would love to connect with you there. Have an awesome day. See you next time. Peace.